Hello, friends, and welcome to the podcast. This is another episode for Help Me Buy Property Podcast. And today's topic is all about property investment teams. And so, why are property investment teams important? Who needs to be on this team? How extensive the team needs to be? And naturally, when you talk about property investing and uh, when you talk about teams in specific, people think about the transactions that they are part of or the transactions or the people that are part of the transactions. I'll take a pause here and I'll introduce my co-host here, drum rolls, Cheryl Lee. Cheryl, welcome on the podcast. Hello, hello, Moss. How are you doing? This is awesome. I love, I love a good team. Hashtag teamwork makes the dream work, right? Yes. But I love that you also have a, a bit of a structure around what makes good team. Yes. So let's share it with our audience. Well, let's take a step back. Let's talk about why do we need a good team first? I think a lot of people tend to discount some of these thinking, right? As to why do you need a good team? You can make the team, you can build a team as you're going through a property transaction, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. A lot of people do it successfully, but why be proactive about having a good good team in place? And you as a chief process officer or, or the chief growth officer, you would understand the importance of the team the most, right? So talk to us a bit about that first. Hey, as, as, as property property entrepreneurs, we've got to look at this, right? We are entrepreneurs. We are property business owners. And the moment that you look at that and, and recognize that to grow a business is not a, a one-person thing. Businesses, if you look at successful businesses, it involved teams. It involved having different people be a part of that because when we recognize that we don't have all the skills, and that we want to be able to surround ourselves with people who have the skills that we are missing, that you're going to have a better outcome, that you're going to be able to to scale more. You're going to be able to leverage more of your knowledge and all that. What's the, the famous thing? If um, The saying, like, if you are the smartest person in that room, you're in the wrong room. Definitely. Right, when, and it, Definitely. And this is it. This is also a, a mindset and an, an ego thing, right? When I say ego, I don't want mm. to put it in a in a bad way. It's more going yes. of self awareness that the more that you want to control things and control the outcome and not allow other people to take things off you, yes. you're going to be tied. You're going to be tied to that business. Yes, definitely. I completely agree with all of that. When, you, when I think about team from my own personal perspective, I see it as a diverse team or a bunch of people coming together to solve problem more quickly, more efficiently, more productively, right? And so me as a person might have made five mistakes in life and I've learned from those five mistakes. Mm-hmm. But if I have a team of 20, that's 100 learning opportunities that you've combined together. Imagine the power of how quick the decision making would be about the same scenario that we are all thinking about, right? And so yeah. that's the power yeah. of team from, you know, of a good team specifically. Absolutely. And I love the word, like the impact that that has in terms of not just your, the, the business's growth or it's the personal growth that you guys have as a collaboration to be able to go, I can leverage off Moss's, you know, Moss's experience and knowledge and, you know, whoever can leverage off my experience and knowledge and it becomes such a, you know, again, scalable that become, you're leveraging it, someone else's knowledge and skill to be able to, to grow so much quicker. So team and property, if we can look at property and whether it's investing or development as it is a business, yes, you have to look at it as, 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 as a business. And, and team doesn't necessarily mean you've got to employ 20 people, right? Your team are going to be the people who are, who are surrounding you so they can be you know, we're going to talk about consultants and everyone else, 100%. but don't just think that it's team that you need to employ. Yes, yes, 100%. And I think, you, again, a very important point here is more around understanding exactly that it's not so much about employing these people. You can't be all of the person. Of course, you, you can't have everything. You can't learn everything, okay? So the team is there to complement the skills. It's not there to contradict. And so one of the most important things a mentor said to me once is, 
that there is no such thing as self-made man in these worlds. You know, man is made out of the teams that they are surrounded with. And so the goals that they are going to achieve or the goals most that you are going to achieve in your life will be dependent on the team that you build around you. And so the leader provides the direction and the team basically goes out and implements it. And he used this perfect analogy at that time and it just stuck into my head that the team is, you know, it's like a driving a car with a GPS. And so the leader itself as us are the GPS. The team is the driver driving the car and the car are the tools that you would use to make the journey awesome. And it's a perfect yeah. analogy when you talk about property as a business and naturally when you're transitioning your journey from a first-time investor to an experienced investor to a high net worth investor, you start treating a lot of these people as your trusted advisors. You start treating a lot of yeah. these people as your mentors in life, right? And, and we'll talk about that in relation to how structured it is and you know, how do we think about this. But it's important that every little bit counts. You know, I take advice from my wife while she's not as passionate That's about a property. Wise man. That's what a wise man should do. hundred <laughs> percent. And so, you know, like I intentionally ask her a lot of stuff because I know that she looking at it from outside in mm-hmm. would have a completely different perspective to a lot of things. You know, my risk appetite to a lot of these things could be quite significantly higher versus hers. And so she brings me back to balance, you know. And so I might be going a thousand miles an hour and she'll just hold me by the collar and say, hey, by the way, slow down. You know, you don't need to do this. Yeah. And so that's the power of team. Yeah. And what makes a good team? There's a lot of things that makes a good team. Of course, you know, number one thing is, you know, experts. And that's what naturally people think about. You know, they need to be expert in whatever they're doing. But it's also the accessibility of the team. How timely do you have access to the team? How holistic Mm. is the experience? Are you thinking about the same thing, about the same outcome? Are you all on the same page? How close you are to each other? How well do you know each other? Definitely, all of these things defines a good team. And how do you then find the right people that are going to be a good fit for your, your team? Sure. Look, I think passion drives, passion is the magnet that drives the teams together. Passion about anything, okay? That would bring the team together, that would, create unity, be it workplace, be it property. You know, you need to have the passion for property to basically go and push yourself in that, you know, accelerated drive mode. And so if you think about the structure around how impactful the team can be, we can basically understand it from the word impact itself. Okay. And so the way I structure this, Mm -hmm. or I have thought about some of these things is if you break down the words impact, it consists of Five things. Let me think about it. I-M-P-A-C-T. Five things. Yes. Okay. So if you think about impact, I is more about inner worth and mindset. M is more about mates or friends. P is Mm. more about peers and friends. A is more about advisors that you would reach out to. And T are the teachers. And of course, we'll go down in a lot more detail. You're not going to brush it off. I will unpack this a lot more. But that's, that's your team. It's everyone out there in this structure who is going to provide you the right balance, the right advice, will keep you in check and make, you, make sure that you deliver the outcome, make sure that you deliver, achieve the outcome that you're trying to achieve. Yeah. I, let's dive in. I, I really like the, how you've, you've made I as I in a self. You as the the leader, you as the driving force, you talk about the car analogy. Again, we talk about how property is a business. The number one thing from a mindset point of view, I really believe, is like stepping into the mindset of a leader. You need to be a leader to be able to bring a team together. But what's, you know, what have you noticed from a mindset point of view, the things that you you need to do as a leader to be able to be the cohesion point? of your team? Look, it's important from, as I was taking this journey through and as I was exploring onto this journey about, you know, forming teams as well myself, I knew that, you know, I need to be clear in my direction and my thinking. I can't be reactive. I need to be proactive about a lot of these things. And so when you think about inner self and inner mindset, 
It's more about knowing what you want and how far are you going to go for it. It's, it talks back to your passion. It talks back to the journey that you're going to enjoy. There's a saying in an Arabic language that the person who enjoys the process walks more. Or if I can frame this in a different way, the person who loves walking will walk a lot more further versus a person who is focused on the destination. Because that you have bl blinders on, you know, you keep hearing about people talking about, oh, you need to have blinkers on and just focus on the destination. Tunnel vision, tunnel vision, gray tunnel vision. But you need to enjoy the journey. And the success is basically a byproduct of one of the milestones yes. that you're going to achieve on that journey. If you don't achieve, if you don't enjoy the process of walking, if you don't enjoy the process of property investing, you would never truly be successful. You would never truly explore the true potential of your own inner self. What do you think about it? Yeah, the saying, the saying is that it's not about the destination. It's about the journey and the growth and the adventure and all the other things that that come along with that. Yeah. And so it, it's, it's the motivation that gets us out of the bed, right? But it's the discipline that you create around achieving what you want to achieve is going to make sure that you keep going in the direction that you are aiming to go towards. And so those two things basically defines the complete inner self or the mindset for myself. Of course, you know, there are other factors, you know, uh, be fearless, mitigate, understand your risks, all of that comes into the picture and that talks more about the clear thinking side of things. But one of the most important things that can be impacted, that can be a direct impact to mindsets are the people that you surround with. And so the next yeah. part of the structure, which is made so your friends, they have a maximum impact on your mindset. Don't you agree? Absolutely. So. We hear this often, you are, you are the sum of your five closest people, which worries me a little bit because I live, I live with, with, with two very energetic, very energetic children and, and two not as energetic um, grandparents as well. So I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's about right. But I know what you're saying here. It's, you know, how do you ensure that you're surrounding yourself with the right, the right people? Because, you know, often Often your mates as well, they talk about the barbecue, the barbecue army where you might be doing something and they're like, why are you doing that? You know, property is, is terrible. The, the market, you're going into a recession, all of that. How do you make sure you're surrounding yourself with the right, the right people that are actually lifting you up? Yes. Yes. And so it's, 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 it's amazing. Like Grant Cardone takes it to the next level, right? And he says, Every journey in the life, you need to ensure that you're changing those five people. He takes it to the next level. He's like, you don't need to be around the same five people. And of course, the five people that he's referring to are the people that you're networking with. And so if you're networking with high net worth people, you will get there. They'll pull you up there. There's a natural tension for them to ensure that they hang around with the same people, right? And so if you are the least of the smartest in the group or in the pack, your natural intelligence becomes higher. You know, you look at Andrew Tate, you look at Elon Musk, you, you look at their profiles in their lives. Basically, that's how they've excelled in their own lives. And so mates play a really, really big role in defining who you are and what you're going to do. And so as a team or as a kid, you know, even, you know, when my father used to say, you know, you need to pick your friends carefully. You need to pick your friends carefully because they are the one who are going to define your life or they are going, the, they are going to be the one who are going to define your results. And you don't really understand it that at that point right and some of my yeah. friends are nerds and we still laugh about it that they are nerds because i was a nerd or i was a nerd and then they become a, they became the nerds and so naturally as you apply some of that thinking back into your business life you realize that yes they have a massive influence the way they act the way they think the way they operate the way they make decision is how you would be making decisions i've seen clients coming to me who have made terrible decisions because of these barbecue conversations. And on the flip side, I have seen clients who have taken a punt and made a decision and made $500,000 in a year just because of these conversations and people that they're surrounding with. It's amazing how much influence yeah. that these people have in the background on you. I think there needs to be a rule that, that, that 
you know, property conversations shouldn't have be had in barbecues. And then there's like barbecues, there's beer, there's all sorts of things. But it's just, uh, it, it's just not the, the the place to have property conversations. But it is around. We talk around, but it doesn't mean that you don't have friends that are from your childhood. It just means that they're in terms of your circle of influence. Who are the people that are, you are allowing to influence Definitely. you, and the decisions that you make that are going to be impactful in in your life personally, and I say professionally or financially, they're going to be different. Mm. They may be different people, right? Because your your childhood friend may be doing something absolutely different to you, but you connect with them from a from a soul level, right? You know, Definitely. but you might not necessarily, but that doesn't mean that you have to necessarily, from a financial point of view or a mindset point of view, doesn't mean that you need to necessarily be on the same page. But, but the people that influence your decision-making, that's a different thing, how you're networking and you're, you're really hanging out with those people that they need to be in the same values, yes. but it's also making sure that, if you're wanting to take yourself to another level, whatever that level might be, right? Yeah. There's no judgment around it. You've got to be around those people that are, are living that sort of that that life, whatever that life may be. Hundred percent. No, and we're 100%. all at different levels. Hundred percent. And just make sure that you you are learning, you are learning, and absorbing, and growing as as a re- as a result of that. Hundred percent. And so, to your earlier comment, when you say you know your net worth is defined by your network defines your net worth i'll take it to a next step i'll say measure your network's worth by measuring their experience and the experience does not correlate with age or wealth age is not a good proxy and wealth can be you know transferred through inheritance so the experience that they have is a perfect proxy of measuring their worth and that is what you're going to get out of, you know, being part of these networks. You know, there's a lot of property networks. You know, you have an amazing community that you run. There's mm-hmm. heaps of events that you guys do. There's heaps of other property communities out there. We run a Facebook group as well. It's not about collecting contacts. I think people get these networking mm-hmm. and these mm-hmm. mates so wrong. They think that yeah. it's about, you know, sharing business cards and, you know, sharing phone numbers. It's about planting relationships. You know how successful can you be by just planting a single seed of relationship in someone's mind? It's about a self-branding exercise when you're going out to these networking events, etc. I was talking to one of the BAs in my own business yesterday, and I said to her that I closed the client two years after we have been talking. Two years. And she was like, what? You spent two years on a client? And I said, no, we just connected. And they followed, they followed, they followed, they followed. One day they picked up the phone and they said, hey, Moss, I'm looking for a property. Can you help? Like, and that's the power of planting a seed of relationship when you are basically talking to people, when you are building the relationship, when you're building your network. That's what it comes down Mm. to. Yeah. And and going there again with this level of genuine intention to help and support people, I think, and without an ulterior motive, but from the mere fact that, you know, you just never know where a relationship might end up. I've, I've, I had a call last last week from someone I haven't spoken to for two years, but, you know, he was he was thinking of something and he said, actually, I need to give Cheryl a call. And that was, you know, that was two years ago that we last connected. But knowing that you just never know where relationships will take you and, and, and the more, like you said, you're expanding your network, stepping out of your comfort zone because, I know a lot of introverts will be sitting here going, I really don't want to do this networking stuff. I have to like, you know, yes. nibble with people that I don't know, make small talk and everything. It's not necessarily that. I think the fact that if if it's property that you have, oh, oh, find something that you have a commonality. That's how you build the rapport. Having the property um, groups or whichever are a good place to break down that barrier because you're like, you can ask the question. So, you know. It's your property journey, like what, you know, share your property journey and that's a good starter. Then it starts to break down those barriers as well. But the more that you're, like you said, we're surrounding ourselves with with the people that are of similar values, achieving, you know, either achieving the things that you're wanting to achieve, that's going to help elevate you. Definitely, definitely. And if you explore this further, things that are impacting your own mindset, 
what more than the relationships in the house, right? You know, the husband and wife, the kids, you know, the grandparents and, yes. you know, how they have been thinking or the traditional thinking in the house versus the non-traditional yeah. person or the non-contemporary or the contemporary thinking or the non-conventional thinking that you're now bringing out to the world, especially in the world of investing. And so how do you think that that P, which is the partner relationships, impacts property investing and what, where do they fit in the team itself? Partners, I mean, you, know, you can talk about your joint venture partners. Are you talking about life partners? Which, which partners do we, do we want to dive into? I, I would say both. Let's start with the in-house and the families first, and then we can talk about the joint venture partners. The, 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 the in-house partners. So this is, this is interesting because there, there are some partners who are incredibly supportive. Right, which is then makes things a lot easier. But then there are partners who are not so supportive yes. as well, and they're they're out there. Maybe we talk about that. Like, how do we deal with those situations when you've got a partner who, if you're going into property and they're, you know, like you said most that like you're sort of more, um, you've got a higher risk appetite where you've got a partner who's probably not not as probably a bit more risk averse, but your partner's mm. supportive of you. How about mm. the situations where you've got a partner who's just like, I think what you're doing is terrible, you're wasting all our money, you're going to lose everything else. Yeah. How do we navigate sorts of partners? And it's, it's an amazing question because I can give examples of both clients. And so I have one client, and please, if you're listening to this podcast, don't hate me for it, for me sharing your story. And so I have a client who's super aggressive, super risk taker, to that extent that makes me scared sometimes and you know I want to hold them back. But you look at their partner and they are the sensible one. And, uh, and the way I gauged it was when I was doing a property strategy session with them. And I realized that their partner is an important person on the table. They are a key decision maker. But because this person controls the finances, they are almost discounting their thinking. Okay? Maybe it's not the top financial acumen that you're really looking for. But it's the risk mitigation that they're bringing on the table, which is quite important. And so they need to bring some of this into the conversation. So one of the things that I intentionally do is ask him to bring his partner on the call, ask him to have those conversations at the same time. And so you can see how different things are playing out. And so you are there almost as a bystander, finding a middle ground between the two, making sure that they're not taking undue risks, etc. And you part-time counselor as well. <laughs> oh, well, look, I mean, <laughs> you make a good point. I think, uh, look, as, as a property mentor, property coach, you almost feel that, you know, you are counseling in some instances because, you know, you don't want to break marriage, marriages, right? Because one partner yeah. is going 100 miles an hour versus the other one, you know, wants to go at, you know, turquoise space, pace at, you know, 10 miles an hour or five miles an hour, right? So. But if you think about and, and on the flip side where... There, Sorry, I was going to just say, you raised an important point that, you know, when you're, you're talking about partnerships and two different people, you know, the fact is that both of them think, believe their thought or their perception about something is right. They might be thinking about the same thing, but one, one person looks at it and thinks, no, this is, this is not risky. And the other person is thinking, look at the same thing going, this is really risky. And I guess from your part and, and anyone that's trying to navigate this whole partnership thing is going, there is a middle ground there. You might not be able to see it right now, but there is a middle ground because one is trying to preserve, one, one's thinking they're trying to preserve wealth. The other mm. one's thinking I'm trying to build wealth. So yes. there is a commonality. We're still trying, you know, so I, I guess the, the role of the, the advisor or the, the coach is to be able to go, how can we find that middle ground in these both? Because they're both coming from the same, they're, they're both coming from the same, well, not the same direction. They're looking, they're addressing the same thing, but from a different angle. Yes, yes, definitely. And, it's, and it becomes, the conversation becomes really, really interesting and important because if you have one partner who has finances and control and they are the one who are risk givers and there is other partner who are sort of okay, you know, on the risk, you know, slide or the risk measure that makes the conversation a tad more, you know, uh, harder. And because what you're now trying to do is you're trying to drive their wealth creation. You're trying to put their property portfolio on steroids, but the drive is not there. The risk appetite is not there. And so in those circumstances, what I've always found that 
is the validation, the continuous validation of the action that they are taking and the outcomes that they're receiving is what increases and improves their risk appetite. And so you work, yeah, you know, again, with a particular client for the past six months, they see the validation, they take the next step. They see the validation, they take the next step. And so when they first came to me, they said, Mas, we just want to buy two properties and we'll spend over 30 years of life spending all of our money to basically pay it off. And that would be our retirement. They're already in two years time on property number four. <laughs> and they're haggling me to buy property number five. And I'm like, what if I've unleashed a monster? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, and this is the point of going, how do I still balance the the other person's needs? It's all around their needs. So one has this need for a level of security, I guess, and that, that you can still do that by by doing more risk-averse things, but being able to keep them informed around this is how we're managing the risk. This is how we're mitigating that risk. You know, If I was able to show you this, this, and this, would it make you feel more comfortable? So I think it's more around making sure that your partners in your partners in life are incredible. You know, they need you need to be doesn't necessarily need to be on the exact same page, but the fact that, that it does help if you are on the same journey, you are on a similar journey because they're your partner. Um, so if you've got Definitely. a partner who isn't 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 really seeing eye to eye about what you're trying to achieve, it's not not that they're not supportive is that they're coming mm. from a place of fear. They're coming from a place of fear and doubt. So how Absolutely. do you help bridge that gap between I'm fearful and I'm doubtful of what the outcome is because, you know, and then from your aspect of you're here, it's not about knocking heads. It's about how can I bring it closer to here and then, and come up to a plane where we're moving forward together. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you take this further step, into a much deeper conversation. We talk about partners. We talk about joint venture partners. Share us a bit of delightful stories that, you know, you have had in relation to, I know you've been part of a lot of joint ventures. I know I've been part of a lot of joint ventures. And so how does joint venture partners become good teams? And, you know, would you leverage that relationship that you build in as part of a joint venture partnership? Yeah, yeah. So partnerships, these are, particularly when you're going into property partnerships, when I say, you know, I look at property as, as business. There are some elements that you have some level of control, I guess, you know, the elements in terms of making sure you've got, you know, tight, watertight joint, um, joint venture agreements, that you're absolutely clear on roles and responsibilities. Like those aspects are fairly controllable, you know, making sure that you've got the the right people that are doing complementary skills to you. So that aspect, you know, it's a, it's a level of self-awareness of going, what am I good at? What am I good at? If you're, if you're great at doing the networking with agents and negotiating and all of that, then make sure that your partner is someone who's great at maybe probably the operational and project management side of things. Definitely. So that you both know what the roles are. However, there, the part that you, that I've found that's a bit trickier to, to navigate is until you're really in the relationship, like if you haven't worked with someone before, yes. to be honest, you don't really know what it's going to be like. Yes. A marriage, like if you haven't really like lived with that person and yes. all of that, if you don't know if they're going to leave the toilet seat up or just leave mess <laughs> around, you don't know that. Until you're in that marriage, and then you go, "Oh my goodness, this yes. is either a fantastic idea or this is just dreadful." Yes. Thankfully, with most property transactions, there is a, a finite finite time. Definitely. But yeah, the the more that you're able to to really try and understand people and their behaviors and all that, and if that that's something that really works with you the more that you have this self-awareness of what you're good at and what someone might be good at and and just you know you really got to test it out and partnerships I've had ones that work incredibly well and then there's some that are just like oh my goodness I can't wait for this Mm. to end as well but it is important that as much as you can like things just need to be professional they need to be written down in partnerships, business partnerships, things just need to be written now, like all the time. So nothing gets left to doubt. I think that's that's the main 100%. thing. So that's from a 100%. structural partnership type of um, yeah. uh, structural. I think so what, what is your I completely agree with you. 
Look, I think I completely agree with you. Um, joint ventures partnerships are important part of building a team. They are a powerful tool in driving your property journey to the outcome that you're trying to achieve from your portfolio. Because what you're doing is you're creating synergies within the business or property as a business and taking it you know, further away. Typical examples, you know, serviceability partner, equity partner coming in together, joining forces as a team to basically taking it to the next steps. Really, really powerful. You're two person bringing the team, coming in together, delivering something. What I've always found is the closer you are, the more you fight. <laughs> That's what my experience has been. I think the more new you are to the relationship, the more respectable the relationship remains because there is a professional courtesy that you always extend to each other. And so we manage, you know, JV partnerships on our property development deals for a lot of our clients as well. And we are doing developments of ourselves as a project managers, for example. And, and in those relationships, contracts you write are the key. And, and calling stuff out up front, having a minuted meeting and saying things is very, very important. I've seen brothers going against each other. I've seen friends going against each other. And so knowing what fallout looks like and understanding how this fallout is going to play out is very key. You need to talk about these things up front. You need to talk about if you exit at this stage, what is going to happen? You know, if one of you die, you know, God forbid, touch wood, it has happened to us in the past that, you know, one party gone, you know? And so how do you manage some of these things? It's important. The contract becomes so, so key, so, so important in all of these JV partnerships. Of course, there is an underwritten or underlying sort of relationship that you're managing. And, and you're right in saying that, you know, once you have been in that sort of mini marriage or semi-marriage relationship with the JV partner, you would always want to work with them. You would always want to be partners with them. And so the more of these relationships you create, the more faster you grow your property journey. And so it, has, it definitely has a good place in, in overall team formation. Absolutely. And, and I'll give you an example. Like I, where I was forming a, a new JV partnership and I, we're going through the agreement. I'm saying, we've got to make sure that we account for this. I said, in terms of death, in terms of someone, you know, if the other person walks out of the deal and the JV partner's like, Michelle, why, you know, why are you coming up with these things? I'm like, I don't know. and yes. I, 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 I love working with you guys and everything else, but it's just like it, it all started like this. It all started, you know, rainbows and butterflies. Everyone's going in with the right intentions, but you just don't know. You just don't know what comes up that may put a spanner in the works. And the fact is that you're 100%. going into this with the best intentions. Everyone goes into it, uh, a JV agreement and, and with the best intentions, but you just don't know what comes up in people's lives to change things. So you really need to make sure that you've got some sort of exit clause in some way or form that protects everyone, not just your own interest, but everyone's interest because you, you, something might happen in your life and you go, 100%. that's it, I'm, I'm out of here. You know, you, you, some divine intervention type thing and you want to go, you know, backpacking in, in, in Nepal for, for two years or whatever. And you go, that's it. I don't want to be building stuff anymore. So it's, 100%. it's, Things where you least expect, where you just need to be able to cover those Definitely, bases. definitely. And so if we extend this, of course, naturally, the natural extension becomes advisors, you know, from an impact theory perspective, yeah. you know, we are talking Absolutely. about advisors. And when you talk about advisors, you're talking about, um, you know, advisors like mortgage brokers, you're talking about buyers agents, you're talking about conveyances, property managers, architects, builders. What is one relationship that you feel that is most important when it comes to advisors or you can't pick one and every, all of these are basically important. I love them all. I love people. Most. <laughs> I, that was a trick question, by the way. <laughs> that was a trick question. You, you, you caught it, caught it me there. <laughs> See the key, the key ones, the key ones in, in our property journey would be property accountant. I'd say if I had to pick 100%. one out of all, it would be our property accountant. Mainly because the, there's so many finance, there's the personal financial side of things from a tax planning, from a, you know, superannuation point of view. We've got our self-managed super as well, you know, structuring, asset protection, 
that side of things. Yes. Like our property account looks at. But then also mm. then the property account looks at, all right, if I'm going to set up, you're going to set up a new JV agreement or JV partnership or you're entering into a new project, like we need to look at your your investment structure to go, okay, what happens if you're either selling this property or you're going to keep the property? Yeah. Because what happens in terms of the profits from this project or this property or the income from this property, where is that going to and how is that going to impact your personal finances yeah. as well as your, fam- as your family's finances? So I'd say that property accounting is, is my number one advisor. Definitely. In my team. Definitely. Definitely, I've got other people like the you know the property lawyer, the 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 buyer's agent, everyone else. But I'd say the property accountant. property accountant's my Definitely. my my key one. Yeah, and look, I think one thing that I do want to call out where people feel that they shouldn't be spending money on these people, right? Advisors, you know, they're always cutting corners, and they think, oh, you don't need, you know, some of these people. For example, they can manage their own property or they can go buy their own you know, house or, you know, oh, you don't need a handyman. I'll go out and do stuff myself, for example, you know, and some of these things. And so I always say to people that you need to understand the value of your own time and how do you value it, right? And so the gardener comes to my place and he comes in and does the gardening pretty much every, you know, month. And he laughs at me. He's like, boss, you have a brand new lawnmower that sits right in front of me in the shed. You have a blower, you have a brand new, you know, chop everything, right? But you, you are a lazy bastard. And, and I always say to him, no, no, I'm not lazy. You charge me $40, $50 for an hour's worth of your work. I yeah. value my time in thousands, yeah. not hundreds. And so I'll make yeah. thousands and pay you hundred. I'm still net in my net benefit when I, when I see it that way. And this is no in no way, shape or form, you know, uh, in condescending in, in any fashion or any manner. It's about time, value, money, right? And so he loves, he runs an amazing business and I'm running my own business as well. And so, of course, it's important that, you know, you value the advisors because the knowledge and the wisdom these people bring would not just save you money, but it would save you from a lot of hassles. I, I truly believe that uh, and so there is a quote that I quoted all where everywhere. You know, it's that you know you can become knowledgeable from others' knowledge, but you cannot be wise from others' wisdom. And so these advisors, what they are bringing is is the crux and the core of wisdom that you can't just replicate. It's really really hard. And so anyone who says this otherwise, anyone who says, "Oh, you can replicate this by doing a course or by doing an education," no, you cannot replicate experience through a course it's like telling people or teaching people how to swim by reading a book (laughs) you can't you can't learn swimming by reading a book you need to be out in the water swimming getting hands-on experience to basically learning that skill yeah it helps if you're being chased by a shark you tend to pick it up very quickly well but you know we we use the swimming analogy is that it, it, you do need to learn the right strokes from someone. You know, you go to swimming class and things like 100%. that. You, either you're watching someone, like, you know, either your parents doing it or you've got, you go to swimming class. So similar to, to property, like you, you, know, you, have mentors, you, you know, you have mentors that might be able to help you through that or, or the property strategist or a buyer's agent, for example, who then, 100%. you know, if you don't, you don't want if you don't like swimming, they might swim for you <laughs> instead. Yes. You know, if you don't like swimming yes. with the sharks, for example, then the buyer's agent can do the swimming in the sharks for you. So Definitely. it's um yes, it's just no no knowing knowing what your your skill level is as well. Definitely, I think people spend a lot more time acquiring the knowledge than thinking about when to apply that knowledge and how to apply that mm. knowledge. And so I think that's mm. the the key thing, you know, especially with social media, I say to people, social media is an evil and a blessing at the same time. It just depends yeah. on how do you, who do you listen to? How do you transform yourself? What's a, what sort of absorption are you getting out of social media? Podcast is an amazing tool if you're listening to us. No, I'm just kidding. Podcast is an amazing tool, you know, if you're listening to the right people, right? Like us. But, you know, it could be, detrimental 
for example, if you're listening to people who are basically taking you down a rabbit hole or people who do not have experience and they are amazing on social media, but in real life, you cannot gauge, you know, how successful would they make you or, or, or take you or make you become. And so it's, it's important to, you know, create that differentiation, especially with advisors, right? As to, you know, as you said, you know, your accountant, you trust your life with them. You know, we run an accountancy business. I know how passionate people get when they come to you because they know, you know, you cannot lie to your accountant. You cannot lie to your doctor. You cannot lie to your lawyer. Okay. These are the three people that would basically navigate your life through. That would help you pave the path through. That would help you ensure that you're protecting your wealth without handing it to the tax man. Mm -hmm. I'd like to add to that your advisors, you want to make sure that your advisors, the other, the other person I think has been critical to, to say my journey, for example, is, is having a coach or mentor. Yes. And you want to make sure similar to the, the property accountant who in my regard, you've got to make sure they've got runs on the board. So they understand, they really understand property. They've got property, of, they've got their own property, hopefully a sizable one. Um, if it's 100%. development that they know that they know development, they've preferably done development as well because then they understand the whole uh, nuances and intricacies around that. And again, then the the mentors who are whoever your coaches are, that they've achieved some level of success as well. 100%. That you're wanting that you're wanting to achieve. They've achieved yes. that level that you're aiming towards because they've gone through that path. It's, you know, I'm, I'm mindful that there are a lot of people out there who are offering some level of coaching or mentoring. They're sort of still building 100%. their businesses. They're still building 100%. their businesses. So they're still trying to find their way around. We see a lot of this 100%. around, right? And they're coming from a good place. But 100%. the thing is that they're still also still struggling with things that you're going through. So they're not really going to be able to, to take you to that next level yet because they haven't gotten to that point. Yes. Yes, but they can take you so far. And I think that's a good yes. segue in talking about teachers, educators, and experienced professionals. I think mentors, yes. educators, coaches, especially in the property transaction or property coaches, property mentors, they hold a special place because what they're bringing to the table is not just experience. It's also what they're bringing on the table is not just the experience. It's, it's about, you know, navigating you through the mistakes and the failures, right? So it's not just the successful yeah. part. It's about, you know, avoiding those potholes, avoiding those landmines, you know, that everyone would hit, right? I'll give you a very quick example. You know, one of the mentors that I have in the property development space in my earlier life was, you know, he used to always say, Moss, don't buy a block which is sloping to the back. And it always sticks in my head now, don't buy a block sloping to the back. And so when I was first, in the property game and you know it's quite new i would just discount the, the block and be like yeah sloping to the back nah, take it off and so as you get mature in the journey you realize why did he say such a statement because he has given me a rule of thumb that is going to save me probably 90 percent of the time there will be 10 percent of the times where sloping at the back is okay because the legal point of discharge is at the back and so you can run the stormwater management through that too technical but it's amazing, right? And so the property coaches are basically there navigating you through the mistakes that they've made, the learnings that they've taken, yeah. and they're going to share their learnings with you, which is saving you not only saving you time, but it's saving you cost. And it's also saving you the, the cost for the mistake, right? That, you know, yeah. that you would make and, you know, that would push you back two steps. Now you are two steps ahead instead of two steps backwards. Yeah, I mean, on, on that point, it's important to also not just take advice blindly, like really understand the, the reason behind that, you know. I'm sure most of you were like, oh, what, why, is, why is that? You ask the question, of why? Course. yeah. Those with, those with children will know that the question why, 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 why yes. comes up about five million times when they start to, start to speak. Yes. And yeah, don't be afraid to ask that question why because you really want to understand. And once you really understand and then you go, okay, I know why I'm making these decisions. Yes, no, definitely, 100%. And so I think that's a very good lesson. Don't discount teachers, education, experience, professional. And so we've skipped uh, an important piece in the middle, which is C, which is for colleagues and peers in real life or online. And so how 
do you think people are how much do you think that people are influenced by you know people you listen to or you know people who are around you as work colleagues yeah i'd say when you look at colleagues and i look at my peers like yourself or whichever one thing i'd like to point out is that you don't necessarily also need to compare yourself and you've got to be really clear on what your like a strategy needs to work for you to be aware that everyone's goals and strategies are going to be quite different but find the ones who once you get clear on what your strategy is then find the people who are implementing that yes. implementing that and are, are delivering that successfully because it's very easy to be distracted and drawn to all sorts of different things particularly in the property space there's so much choice right there's like do I do residential subdivision do I do townhouses do I do commercial do I do rooming you know or do I and so you're like yes. I'm just going into 10 different avenues yeah your your colleagues and your peers that you want to get influenced by like importantly sit back slow down get really clear on what the strategy is that works for you and then pick pick be really in, intentional in who it is that you're allowing to influence the way that you you carry out your strategy what are your thoughts yeah so if, if i can explore this more i always say that strategy is like a fingerprint and everyone's fingerprint is different you would have your own strategy in life and you're building your portfolios depending mm. on your risk appetite depending on the cash flow that you're bringing to the table depending on the experience that you have right now and so 100% don't follow what other people are doing you know find your own piece find your own niche and find your own space all of the three things are very very important right and people see mm. other people and naturally they're inclined because you know it's a peer pressure that develops right and so people think oh oh i'm going to be like them there's nothing wrong in idealizing people right i want to be them i want to become them i want to get to that stage nothing wrong with that but i want to grow up steps like have you they taken <laughs> but but it's important to understand that it's baby steps right it's not it's not a 15 meter long jump that you're doing right no one gets successful you know we're talking about this before there is no elevator to success <laughs> it's 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 yeah. it's a steep ladder you know it's a, it's a steep climb up and so it's important to understand that peer pressure can be detrimental on one hand when you are not thinking logically but on the other hand could be amazing because you are taking what works for you and discounting what doesn't work for you yeah and that comes down to making sure that you're confident in terms of what those that strategy and that direction is again if you're not sure then make sure you've got the right advisors that are helping yes. you come to that sort of vision definitely advisors and and teachers and teachers i think i think teachers um i think uh, i place a lot of emphasis on self development you know um i was speaking to my wife the other day and i said to her that i would have probably spent more than 300,000 in my self development over a number of years beat my mba beat other stuff and this is no way me boasting about stuff this is more about me self realizing that there is no quick journey there is a journey to you know personal development and so you know if you want to achieve a higher goal you need to be a higher person if you are not that high person you will never be you will never get to that goal that you want to get to it's it's um, i read this somewhere and this is this it resonated with me so much that when you talk about personal development they say that the income does not far exceed the personal development space that the person is in and so if you give a million dollar to a person they would quickly come back to the original self if they're not a million if they're not a millionaire in the first instance depending on where their personal level is or where their personal development is and i don't know if there's a study done around this or not but it's it's definitely a notion that they said if you divide the whole world's worth into equal proportions and distribute it equally across the population the billion the 6 billion people 7 billion people that you have across the world they say that the income would come back to the hands of a few because personal development is what attracts success and nothing mm. else and it's amazing right it it's so powerful that you know you can reap the benefits in the future 
And it's the investment in today in your own self that you're going to see in the future. Yeah, I'd say personal development has been the biggest win, the influence for my personal and professional growth. It was it was when I really recognized that it wasn't around my education. It was it was actually in the in the midst of of going through my university degree, and it was a business and law degree, like you said. You know, we spent a lot of money on, on education. Oh my goodness! Mm. Um, that I got given, and this is probably the worst time to give someone is rich dad, poor dad. <laughs> and I was like, do I stop uni now? And yes. no, but it was <laughs> it was the first foray into going. Wow, I can do something differently, but then realize what it was. The it, it wasn't only the the financial aspect of rich dad poor dad it was the mindset part of rich dad poor dad that really triggered 100%. things off to be able to go you know what are our limiting beliefs what are what, what do you need to do to step into that like i said that highest form of yourself and it's it is if you embrace that it's a never-ending process you will consistently st- strive and hunger for more hunger for more growth in yourself because the more that you see that growth in yourself you see it in so many aspects of your life your relationships with your loved ones your relationships with your partners right yeah and and your businesses and the things that you get involved in um the transactions that you get in property so the more that you are growing as a person technically and personally then you can't help but just see incredible transformation in your life 100%. So you can tell I'm a little bit like a phil- I'm very philosophical, a bit hippie, hippie. Was um, no, I think I think well, all of that resonates with me. I think it would resonate to a lot of listeners as well. They would realize and understand that you know this is something quite personal to you and quite personal to me as well. And people who have been on this journey realize the importance of a lot, a lot, a lot of these things. And so I am big on teams, and you know, closing this off from an overall perspective. That team for me is well beyond, you know, the people in the transaction. Team for me is people who are influencing the decision making of that transaction. And so it could be as wide casted as you want. And again, coming back to your original point that you made that it's not so much about people that you're going to hire. It's about people who are going to help you make a strong financial decision, which is based on evidence, which is going to take you to the next level, which is going to help you get the outcomes that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to hear whoever's been listening to this episode, you know, share with us who you have in your team, who's on, who's on your site, who is indispensable in your team. Uh, hopefully that includes your, your life partner as well. And, you know, either more so myself, that's totally fine also. But yeah, no, this has been a great episode to talk about. Thanks. Thanks for bringing it up. Thank you very much, Cheryl. It was lovely to talk to you again. Take care. Keep smiling. Be safe. Keep investing. This is Moss and Cheryl checking out. Adios. Ciao, ciao. Bye-bye.